one, what is even the purpose for wrapping your meat? And two, when when do you wrap your meat? Okay. Um, <laughs> if it's if it's the first time I've ever met her. No, uh, no. It's just better safe than sorry, Alex. No. Uh, if it's raining outside, it. I put on my raincoat. Um, <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Sauce on Beer, Burn Barbecue. I'm your host, Kevin, joined here by my co-host, Alex. Hi, everyone. And then our other co-host, Guy. What's going on, everybody? And we are back at probably one of our favorite locations uh, to ever (laughs) record. Definitely. We are back at Big Jim's house. Big Jim. Hello. Thanks for having us again. Not a problem. Thanks for opening up your liquor cabinet, your smoker, your cigar humidor. Thank you for just taking care of us. This is like Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah, it's more like a a palace. It's like a king's palace. Yes. It's awesome. This is awesome. So, Jim, we're here tonight just to talk barbecue. It's getting barbecue season. It's starting to, you know, warm up. Hopefully, we'll stay warm here in St. Louis. I mean, we could get 10 feet of snow tomorrow. I mean, that's how it works here. It snowed last Easter, didn't it? It did. Yeah. It did. Um, But... We just want to talk technique with you. We've got some questions just that we've had uh, about barbecue. Ask away. Um, before we get going, though, you have a very exciting bottle in front of you. Um, the Jameson Crested from Ireland, uh, 80 proof. Um, Guy has requested that we do a, a cork pop on it. So who's going to take the cork pop? I think Big Jim should do the honors. No. You got to reclaim from last time. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Bad. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what was that cork pop? Was that the log of woolen? I, I think the I, log of woolen, it, that, it was like a really lame cork pop. It was disappointing. That's all I remember. It was. Here we go. Now he's calling my log of woolen disappointing. <laughs> Not that part. <laughs> and all right. I heard a good one. What do you smell on that one? Don't get your ash in that bottle. <laughs> Whoa. Dude, this smells like candy. Holy cow. I think it is treated like candy in Ireland. (laughs) Holy cow. It it is, uh, it's looking like it's a 10-year whiskey. A 10-year, uh... I'm shocked the Irish could keep it in a barrel that long. I know. (laughs) Let's see. Oh, it says, um... Used a, a lot of sherry casks for, um, like, maturation. And it says bourbon barrels were also used. We like bourbon barrel. Yeah, that's all I'm able to, like, find on it. But it looks like it's about a 10-year product. Okay. Uh, and it's very, it's pretty much a, an Ireland only. Um, I mean, I found one place online where you can buy it. But, well, it's, and that's even just, like, the price. You probably can't even buy it from them. So, yeah. it looks like it's pretty hard to find. Um, and Jim, you said your buddy brought it back from Ireland for you? Yeah, he brought it back. Um, man, it might even be two years ago now. Um, I gave him a couple smokers. Um, I, at one point, I had about 10, well, I had 10 plus smokers. And my wife said, 
either they start going or you're going. <laughs> so, so you crazy story, and I was going to have Guy tell you this story. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Guy. So you said that last time, and it got me thinking, and I was like, and I, and I mentioned to you that my dad had bought a, a smoker. I don't know if I mentioned it here, actually, but me and Kevin had talked about it before. Um, my dad bought this smoker from this guy on Craigslist that had a bunch of smokers in his garage. And then uh, and I was looking at it, and I was talking to him about the episode. I was like, yeah. I was like, what, is that, what was that guy's name? He goes, or I said, where was he at? I thought he said that the, he got it um, down in um, Sullivan or something. He's like, oh, it was just out in Ellisville. <laughs> and I was like, was the guy named was the guy's name Big Jim? He goes, Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so my dad bought one of your big tandem smokers. Did, did we try and fit it in the back seat of Pro- the car? Probably. Was it a Jeep? I don't know. I can't remember. There was somebody that had a car that was trying to fit like an ugly drum I had in the back seat. And I'm like, I don't, gonna work, your dad doesn't man. have oh, an ugly no, drum. No, uh, it was his his smoker is really dope. Um, and it is a, uh, it he drives a jeep or a pilot. So, did he pick it up with a buddy? He said there was another guy here. He said it took like three guys to. Then that lift was it up that was my guy. old stick burner, the old cast iron mm-hmm. quarter, mm-hmm. quarter Dude, inch. Yeah. It yeah. just like yeah. weighs a metric yeah. ton. It's yeah. Like yeah. A smoker. Yep, and they, that's what I felt good that it was going to. Well, now your dad because it knew these guys knew what. They recognized what it was, and it was going to a good home, so to speak, instead of somebody that's going to use it as a grill and let it sit outside and rust out. Yeah, I mean, so. we we had what? What did your dad make that one time we were over there? Was it pulled pork, or was it actually brisket? He did uh, He did pulled pork, and he also smoked some venison. Mm. Uh, he smokes uh, every every spring we go to – actually, we're getting to go in a few weeks um, – we go turkey hunt, spring turkey hunting, and like we go down to Merrimack Springs and just get more trout than we should. Go to the park, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, so we s- smoke trout, and uh, man, he uses it all the time. He's they awesome. they've got a smoked chicken. Him and my mom have a smoked chicken down that is just oh my gosh, it's it's fantastic. And this is on the old stick burner. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's nice. kind of re, he's reworked and fabbed a little bit of it because the the vent was um, it was like drafting in like a, a lot of heat really close. So oh, he's yeah. he's got that closed off a little bit more Damp- and he's dampened it out because I had um, yeah a couple old grill grates that I had wrapped with alum- <clears throat> aluminum foil and I was telling him yeah usually you want to have dampers so it directs the heat down the smoke along and up and then. <clears throat> You know, does its business, but they're like, "Don't worry about it." It's yeah, good. I'm like, they they heat their house with a with a wood stove, and he grew up cooking on a a wood stove and smoker, and nice. So yeah, he's no, that thing's awesome, and it like we're using it on uh, we're smoking on Easter, aren't we? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So let's kind of jump small in world. there. Yeah, it's crazy small, <laughs> world, right? Right? <laughs> was, very small world. I was like, how many people can have like a garage full of smokers in Ellisville? Yeah, maybe just one. <laughs> yeah, the guy that's now still married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that I gave him. I gave Jimmy two bottles or two bottles, two smokers, um, uh, a, an old um, stick burner that a uh, guy and his dad and his grandpa had welded vertically so firebox 
a, a, a chimney with a damper, and then the <clears throat> the compartment was vertical. Whoa. So that was my 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 pork butt. Okay. You know, machine. Yeah. And then I had a really it was a double tall ugly drum, and uh, I gave them both to Jimmy, and he came back from Ireland, you know, maybe six, eight, ten months after this all went down, and uh, they came out to the house. We had some barbecue, and he's like, I got something for you. And he pulls it out. I'm like, oh, cool. Crested, I've never heard of that. He's like, yeah, I brought it back. I snuck it through. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. I'm like, at least it wasn't tell them or don't. With the weather as nice as it is, let's just, Jim, talk to us about smokers. Like, what should we be looking for in a good smoker? If our listeners are, because we get tons of messages, like, I know when I post my smoker, when Alex posts a picture of his, or Guy, when you're, what are you posting over there, Guy? <laughs> I don't know. When Guy uh, just comes over and, you know. But yeah. what should what should our listeners be looking for in a smoker? Damn, that's good. Uh, sorry. Um, hey, you got to enjoy what you're, you know. It's really, yeah. Um, well, there's a lot. There's, you know, everybody's got a Weber. Um, big Green Egg. Or they go to a box store like Academy Sports or, you know, Home Depot, and they get what is, you know, commonly called a stick burner, mm-hmm. affectionately called a stick burner. It's, you know, a horizontal compartment with a chimney on one end and a side firebox on the other, and it's a little bit lower. So what is also called the offset smoker. Tandem, would people call it a tandem smoker Tandems too? Tandems are going to be... Um, you have the the two compartments, um, you know, like there's that gas, one side's gas, one side's charcoal, mm-hmm. uh, and can all be used as a smoker. Okay. Um, so that's when I when I hear tandem, that's what I that's what I hear or envision, I should say. So it's more of like a, a tandem is more of like a hybrid, whereas like stick right. burners just smoker. Yep. And okay. the only thing you're using as a heat source and also uh, the smoke is just you know, quarter cuts of whatever wood, you know, quarter cut, half cut rounds of um, cherry, hickory, oak, whatever you want to smoke with. Because um, that's what... That's what I have. That's Yeah, that's what you got. <clears throat> yeah, I got and, the uh, Old Country Pecos. Okay. So not the, you know, the generic model. I, I right. spent some good money and got decent welds rather than bolts to hold it together. So... <laughs> yep. uh, Rubber well, bands. And you've you've learned Oh yeah. The venting, you know, how much you gotta have coming in and then having that bed of coals and then you know, putting I too was, much wood on yeah. and then seeing your, your temp spike. I was shocked at how opened I had to have everything up. Like I mean I almost have to run everything open all the time in order to create a good flow, especially right. in my backyard, how my backyard's laid out. Yeah. Cause where I actually have the smoker, the wind doesn't blow that direction. So it's like I have to have Everything open just to get decent smoke blowing through it sometimes. It's just, I love it, but it's a pain in the butt sometimes. You know, I have seen, now this is crazy, the first couple times I've seen it, you know the little desktop oscillating fans? Mm-hmm. I've seen people put it, you know, two and a half, three feet away hmm. from their firebox if they don't have a good breeze coming through. Yeah, huh. And they just have that fan on low. Just something enough to create a little bit of air movement. That way you can control, okay, I know I've got this amount coming into the firebox. Then you always want to have your exhaust open so that it's pulling that through, you know, the chamber, the smoking chamber. Um, 
that's the thing with the side firebox, the stick burners. Is it's you know you really got to pay attention to it, and that's where you're you're babysitting it. You can't walk away and think, okay. You mean I have to sit it. outside and drink all day? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Darn. Yeah. So um, you got those. You got big green eggs. You know the Kamado style, um, which are they serve a purpose as well. You know they're insulated. Um, they can be finicky on temperatures. They can spike really easily. The tomato can? Yeah. Okay. You can have the 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 vent, you know, the, your intake barely open, and you think, okay, it's not getting enough air. You slide it open, and you, you have your, you know, your exhaust just barely open, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuss with it because my temperatures are dropping, and all of a sudden it goes from, you know, 225 that's dropping from 250 to 225 or below and all of a sudden spiking to 430 and above and then you're opening the lid is that because it's so well insulated so well insulated and it doesn't take much with the kamados as far as adjustment to get the temperatures to just spike so there's a really big learning curve bigger than yeah than yours um which is why i didn't go with it originally i was going to go with like you know the big double xl because I wanted volume, you know, I needed space to cook stuff. Um, so I scrapped that and learned a bunch on the stick burners, cheapies, like $50 Craigslist, you know, learn by doing. Um, and that's where I figured out, okay, I want something that has better insulation first off. And that's when I came across the gravity feeds. That's so, the pellet, the pellet, right? No, no, no I skipped skipped over pellet. Okay, I, I don't. For me, pellet, uh, people swear by him. Um, me, I just it didn't interest me at all. Well, so, may, people swear by him because of the consistency they offer, right? Right, and they think, hey, it's you know, set it and forget it, and it's smoke, and it's this, and it's like, yeah, but it is wood in the sense that. It's wood that's been processed down to fiber, you know, to mash, and then it's glued together by the sap that's, you know, still left into it when it's pressed into that little shape. And it is going on a flame to where it is creating smoke. But, you know, there's certain ways when you look at the traditional, the purest, they want the stick burners. Mm -hmm. They want, you know, logs in the in the firebox, and that's creating the smoke and also the temperature, and you're, you're regulating that. Um, it's all clean smoke. What I found, the luck I've had with the two gravity feds that I have, is I am able to keep the temperatures right where I want them with the external fan helping out, and I've gone through a couple different units to see which is best. But I get the smoke that I want, and I don't, I'm not so much worried about a smoke ring per se, you don't want to have too big a smoke ring. You know, like I saw a picture on one of the boards today on social media. It was a tri-tip. And this thing had to have a three-quarter inch smoke ring. That's a tri-tip. Yeah. That's over-smoked. Yeah. Because so a tri-tip, that's a thick cut of meat, right? I mean, that's, is it? It's about, yeah, you know, three fingers. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's shaped like a fat boomerang. Short right. on one end, longer on the other. Um, so at, at your thickest, it's, you know, two and a half to three fingers, mm-hmm. but then it thins out. Hmm. So if you've got that much, that big a smoke ring, and people think, oh, I got a big smoke ring, it's going to be great. Man, it could be tasting like charcoal. 
Okay. You know, it could be that sour, bitter taste of oversmoked. Would it be dry if it's over smoked like that? Does it necessarily mean it's dry if it's oversmoked? Not necessarily. Um, that's another side of the chemistry factor that you get into. Like with mine, uh, with my my uh, my stumps, my baby stumps, the small one, uh, and also the Rebel 32, the big cabinet smoker I have. They're both gravity-fed, so it's a vertical chimney shoot of um, charcoal. Okay. So I use natural charcoal, you know, just compressed into a shape so it doesn't bind up in the chute. It's lit at one end, and the embers are falling on wood, wood chunks that are naturally seasoned instead of kiln-dried, which don't really create that much, that great a smoke. So that is going through, plus I've got the, you know, the chimney open, and it's creating that smoke to, to draw it up through all the meat. But then that compartment retains a lot of that moisture that's in there. It's, it's insulated with th- uh, two inches of rock wool. Okay. So all that moisture that's coming out of the meat as it cooks is being retained. And then it's also coming right back into the meat. So you're not having to cook with a water pan. Like, okay. Oh, okay. Like I, used to, I told your dad, I, I think I gave him one of the old baking pans. Yeah. You know, put a little water in there, and it'll help diffuse some of that heat. That's what I have to do with my offset. Yep. I've got a, I have a, went to Goodwill and found a loaf pan, mm-hmm. and I just throw that in there at the bottom and just pour some water in and let yep. it go. And I have found that makes such a difference in cooking. Like, yeah. I used to, I'd be like, I don't need that. You know, like when I first started out, you know, I'm just, I'll be fine. And the pork butts that I would be pulling and all, they'd be real just tense. Like, there would be no moisture in them. Right. And now when I do a pork butt, it's like, it just falls apart. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so much more enjoyable to eat. That and then spraying it with, like, apple juice and things like that. That's oh, yeah. the thing I found for, especially for the wood burners. Because I feel like with yours, you don't lose very much heat at all uh, while you're doing it. Because everything stays in there, right? Because you're right. sealed tight. Yeah, yeah, I'm completely insulated. Um but I still, you know, I'll check on everything after, like my briskets, I'll check on them at about the four-hour mark. And then, again, you know, every half hour, just periodically looking. I'm looking for a color. Okay. I'm looking for the deep mahogany. That tells me the meat is getting to that stage where it's starting to, I don't want to say caramelize, so to speak. But part of that fat is just starting to render. Yeah. So it's getting at that. It's at that threshold, which is also going to be right before the stall. Then that bark is starting to form, and, you know, the seasonings are starting to darken on it. So that salt and pepper is starting to darken. It's starting to kind of turn blackish. I'm not looking for a meteorite, but I want something that before I wrap it, it's set up to a certain point. So I'll spray it. I'll I'll spritz everything with a bottle of um, water cut with or uh, apple cider vinegar cut with water. Do you know, fifty-fifty or is it whatever I feel like? Yeah, fifty-fifty okay. is a goal. If I got more apple cider vinegar, oh well, because it's really not imparting flavor onto it. It's just keeping moisture on the surface of the meat. There are two things that are going to help meat attract smoke. First, you you know, if you have think of think of the tri-tip, all right. So it's like a boomerang, like a a wing on a plane. It's smooth. You need it to be coarse. So that helps break up the airflow. Yeah. Because if, if you got something that's smooth, 
the smoke's going to go right past it. If you've got seasoning on there like the salt and pepper, it's going to help trap some of the smoke. If you keep it moist, it's also going to help that smoke adhere and, and sink into, you know, soak into the to the meat. The more arid the climate, the less it's going to retain, you know, like a good smoke. Because you can kind of have a really shallow or kind of a faint smoke ring and have great smoke flavor. And that's what you're really going for is flavor and because it's got to look good, smell good, and taste good. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yours, definitely, you know, yeah. half pan of water. Yeah. And you can be like, oh, great. Open the lid, spray, spray, spray. Come back 15, 20 minutes later. So with the spraying, I'm curious, do you do that to to build a bark like you were saying? Or do you... Like, is that something you do more before there's a good bark in order to get one? Or is it something you do even after there's a good bark on your meat? Um, definitely in preparation for building a bark. Because um, that, like I said, the, the moisture is helping that smoke, you know, attract the smoke. Um, but if I got the bark where I want it and I'm, re- I'm ready to go and it feels good in my hand, then I'm going to wrap it. I'm gonna wrap it in the butcher's paper. I'm gonna put it back in there, and then I, I don't have to worry about it, at, you know, at all. Let's talk about the butcher paper real quick. Yeah, <clears throat> because I know on a lot of boards that I see, people will be like, "Do I need the butcher paper?" You know, like you get those starting out questions: "Do I need the butcher paper, or can I just tin foil it?" Can you talk about the importance of the butcher paper compared to the tin foil? Like, butcher paper is gonna help the meat breathe. So you're going to have a little bit of you know, moisture loss versus on that aspect versus foil. It's going to keep everything in. So then if you have something that's that's wrapped in foil and you're trying to cook it, you know, from you got it at 140 degrees and you're trying to cook it past 160 all the way to finishing, you know, like 200 degrees. There's a lot of moisture that is is being pulled out from the meat that is hitting that aluminum foil. It doesn't have anywhere to go. So then you're just kind of roasting, you know, your meat instead of actually smoking it. Yeah. So like pot roast type. Yeah. What mom did in the crock pot all those years for yeah, me growing you, up. If you over moisturize it, if you use foil and, you know, <clears throat> you can tell um, you take it out and it's falling apart, it's overcooked which could also mean not just overcooked by temperature and time, but overcooked in the sense that over-moistured. Because you want some of it to, you know, escape. So that's what the butcher paper does. It retains some, but allows the other part to breathe. So I want to take a step up from that question, higher level. Um, something you always got to go higher level thinking over there. I just <laughs> It's something that I've wondered that I've kind of answered for myself a little bit, but I know was a huge, huge question for me when I started, which is, one, what is even the purpose for wrapping your meat? And two, when when do you wrap your meat? Okay. Um, <laughs> if, it's, if it's the first time I've ever met her. <laughs> no. Uh, no. It's just better safe than sorry, Alex. No. Uh, if it's raining outside, it. I put on my raincoat. Um, <laughs> based off of what the guys used to smoke on. So in the oil fields, oil tanks, the old propane tanks, they would turn them into smokers. 
So, you, again, it's that side firebox, and it's nothing but wood, arid, you know, um, climate inside the, the smoking chamber. Um, so if they didn't have a water pan in there, you still have wood being used as your fuel source. So let's say you've got that bark perfect, and you're like, all right, I'm good. But you say, I'm going to leave it unwrapped. I'm just going to go all the time. You're still getting smoke. Because technically, about four hours, is all, the first four hours when you're going to get as much smoke as you're going to get in that piece of meat. After that, you're just going to continue to oversmoke it. So that's why you wrap. Now, some people swear by, and this is where like gets like knocked down, drag out foil only, you know, and they, that's the old Texas crutch as they call it. But for brisket, Aaron Franklin is not the first one to use butcher paper. That goes back to different butchers. Um, but his has been popularized because he's, well, he's, he's so damn here. good at it. Well, he's good right. at it. And he, he takes it back to the old, old style of how, what he's cooking on, how you're doing it. Um, you know, the Czech German influence, and then James Beard Award also helps, too. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice thing to have on your resume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Oscar of food. Um, so sometimes, you know, like I can go in my gravity feds, I can go a full cook and not wrap anything, pork butt, um, brisket, and just let it go. Because my fuel source is charcoal now the charcoal that i use has its oak so it's already having it's imparting some flavor into it and then i'll use post oak for the hickory or for the uh, the uh, brisket and then hickory for the pork butts then there are times the last couple smokes um i've pulled them out and wrapped them the brisket was more about six and a half hours um just because the level of what's coming through you know volume wise of air and what's in the chamber is different than if it was the side firebox. Because there's, you know, the offset or the sick burners have got a lot more draw in a smaller compartment. So your time frame gets shortened a little bit. Um, the the uh, pork butt, I think I wrapped. I think I just wrapped at the end, actually, last weekend. Because I was, you know, okay, done. Wrap it up. And I wrapped it in foil. Okay. Just to, you know, for the rest. Because it's pork butt. <clears throat> you know? I mean, hell, I could have cooked a pork butt 15 hours like I, I cooked the brisket. And I would not be afraid of it at all because it's just going to fall apart even more. Because it's pork. And it's going to render almost every ounce of fat. So That's the goal for pork, yeah, is render all that fat, you know, that that bone really has to just pull out. Um, Can you define that term for me? Rendering well, the fat. Hold on, before you do that, let's just tell our listeners we're outside on your patio right now. Yeah, <laughs> so they're going to hear your air conditioner and all that go, but and this, all the beautiful noises and of the, the birds. Noises. The last time we had a planes. podcast, you made it rain for us, and it was beautiful, it, and it was great. Right. So I'm a little bit of a novice of a barbecuer. I do most of my cooking inside because I don't. He doesn't like outdoors. I love the outdoors. I um I have a grill 
So I haven't even attempted to smoke on it because I'm a little of a bit of a perfectionist. So I think that I would probably just end up more frustrated than anything. So I, I have kind of just like I cook a lot on my uh, on my cast iron. Um, I have a cast iron skillet that's a little deeper that um, is actually they take some getting used to for cooking on just like a regular stove top. Um, so. Like as far a lot of the smoking and barbecue terms, I'm not super super hip to. But so, what does rendering the fat mean? Um, easiest way to put it, liquefying. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so taking a fat cap on a pork butt and chemically and physically changing its state from a solid to closer towards a liquid. Oh, that makes sense. I would say, like, when you do bacon in your cast iron. Yeah. And you get that bacon that's, like, it's almost like drinking bacon. Kind of like on that, you know, like, a yeah. thick cut of bacon. Yeah. And it's, like, a little bit squishy, but it's not, like, chewy. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the best for kind of what you're saying, rendering okay. with a cast iron. Would you agree? Yeah, because, it, I mean, cast iron is really, that's how it grew up. Um and that's how my wife still cooks a lot on cast iron. Oh, yeah. Um, you put bacon in, you know, bacon is pork belly. Mm-hmm. Put that in the in the skillet, and you just sit there and you watch it a little bit. Well, that big fat cap that's in there, that yeah. all of a sudden that starts to shrink. Yeah. And you're starting to get a lot more bacon juice. Yeah. That's rendering. Okay, great. I just made some cornbread with rendered bacon grease. <sighs> oh, my goodness. It was... The best I have ever made. And then I smoked it. So I smoked cornbread. I'm going to call bullshit because he did not bring anything over to share the class. <laughs> you know? I'm going to second Big Jim on that one. And here's why I will yeah. say I didn't bring any because there was none left. Then that's the sign of it was good. Yeah. It was yeah. damn good. Well, let's talk about uh, pork butts. Let's okay. talk about just, I think, because I think that's a cut that a lot of people will go do. But they'll make the mistake where they don't either go long enough or they hit that stall and they don't ramp up their fire. So can you kind of give, like, just a quick overview of how to make the perfect pork butt? Kevin's talking about himself. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm talking about me. Okay. Um, Would you like me to use the stick burner as the example? Yes, please. Okay. (laughs) Then we we are using the stick burner as the instrument of destruction. Okay, so we get a good fire going. We've got the water pan in there. We've got it diffused, and the pork butt's sitting roughly in the middle. Um, 10 to 12-pound pork butt. Um, you know, they say with briskets is hour and 15 per pound. Pork butts, I look at it and go roughly an hour per pound. Um, and I try and run everything around 250. Not over. Um, sometimes I'll do last weekend's, uh, cook with the, um, the briskets and the pork butt was briskets for 15 and a half hours. Pork butt was 10. Uh, it was about 235 to 240. So in your environment with your, um, apparatus, you know, you got to keep it, you got to keep the fire fed, uh, without overfeeding it, without the temperature spiking. Um, you're looking for, you're, you're really not doing anything for the first five hours 
until you you notice okay about five hours in that f- you're starting to get that mahogany color caramel to mahogany and that fat cap starting to split then you know you're on the right path okay then start spritzing because th- at that point <clears throat> when the fat cap is is starting to, to split you've rendered out some good fat now it's time to add more moisture uh, to the meat itself and consistently keeping your temperatures right where they're at you know keeping it at that 235 to 250 um, and it's just gonna be done when it's done you know that's bottom line don't rush it just don't rush it, it. Um, a lot of people do the hot and fast the ugly drums um, ugly drum I didn't like the two that I had got rid of them um, I just don't like meat directly over a fire source. I always feel like it's going to turn into a steak. That's, I don't know. Every yeah. time I see the ugly drum, I think, okay, steak. You know, like, I don't know. There's a physics to it. <clears throat> and people swear by it on the competition course, you know, competition circuit. And I'm, me, personally, I like the gravity feds. The stuff that I'm designing, it's still that kind of gravity fed style um if i had a restaurant it would be austin smokeworks making the you know the thousand gallon stick burners hmm. big old big old smokers is that what franklin uses like those yeah, yeah. he uses the thousand <clears throat> yeah thousand gallon um austin smokeworks was started by his buddy john who got aaron into smoking meats and then the they opened the trailer and then john went to la barbecue and helped her open up la barbecue and then came back to franklin and now he's in charleston i believe okay with uh his own shop so um if i had a restaurant that's what i would do because at that point i need massive volume mm-hmm. there's only one way you're gonna get massive volume to get 50 briskets on a smoker yeah, is length and then having that that volume with an insulated firebox to pull everything through and smoke everything correctly. So pork butt, let it go. Sometimes don't even don't even wrap it. Okay. Um, the the crispy crispy bits. Oh yeah, yeah. Who and doesn't love that? It. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, and honestly, you can tell how you how how it's gone by you know after you pull the money muscle off and you slice that up and you give that to people you know bones obviously already are out then you're starting to pull everything and then that fat cap can just slide off and everything's completely rendered underneath then you know i can just tear that fat cap up and, and keep that in there because it's it's part bark you know it's got a good crust to it um and then there are other times that everything's perfect, but then that fat cap was just thick enough in some spots that it's still a gelatinous mess. So you just take that and discard it, which I was corrected one time by a couple people. No, we want to eat that. And I'm like, great, I won't watch. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Oh, man. So what do you look for to say that it's done, whether it be a pork butt or anything else? Are you looking for temperature, texture, a mix of the two, something different? Mix of the two. Um, for pork butt, um, it's really 
I I use the the lollipop probe from uh, Thermoworks, and you can tell as soon as you go in, you know, it's like a hot knife in butter. No resistance whatsoever. You're done. Um, you can take that out, and you can tell too on the smoker if it's kind of starting to to fall apart a little bit. Okay, great. I'm done. You know, you can pick it up and, and move it and be like, all right, I'm going to lose half of this. Um, <laughs> Has that ever happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be like, okay, time to just go ahead and wrap you up to keep the shape. Um, then I'll wrap it in butcher's paper at that point. Um, and then I wrap everything in a towel before I put it in a dry cooler. So that was the big thing. We talked about that last time, the wrapping it in a towel and yeah. all that kind of stuff and putting it in the dry cooler. I did that for Thanksgiving. I did three turkeys, and I found some old T-shirts that I didn't care about anymore, and I put all that in the cooler, and I just took it to my parents' house, and I said, it doesn't, just let it go. It'll be fine. We opened it up the next morning. It was perfect. Like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever learned to store meat, like, that's been cooked and all that. That was so huge, and I think that is probably, because I know we used to, like, we do the turkey Wednesday, and then... Overnight, you'd lose so much stuff. Like, there was nothing in there to keep anything semi-warm or any of that moisture in. But packing it like that helped out so much this year. I mean, to where that, there was no turkey left over. Usually there's, you know, that little bit of that dry leftover stuff that you throw in the mayonnaise, you make the turkey salad sandwich the next day with everything. There was none of that to do it this year because it was so juicy and so amazing. Nice. So I think I missed the tip. Do you wrap it in a towel? After the butcher paper, or is it? Yeah, just so a- I've I've uh, I've taken it off the smoker, and you know it's wrapped in in butcher's paper. Before I put it in the dry cooler, I have um, a couple you know bath towels, and I just wrap them up nice and tight in the towel, and you get two or three layers over a piece of meat, and it helps insulate because if you put it in there like it used to do, you put it in. Just wrapped like a brisket wrapped in butcher's paper, and you put it in the dry cooler and go away. You got another one coming off. You put that in there. Then you got two, sometimes three briskets, you know, in this big cooler, not wrapped. Well, they're going to continue to cook, and there's all that moisture in there. So all it's going to do is just fall apart when you try and slice it. So uh-huh. I've learned. Okay, you know, saw this. Um, what was it, Malcolm? Whatever from How to Barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. Wrap it in a, in a towel. Okay, great. Hmm. I think it was him. Um, and that's what I do now because sometimes you want to you want a brisket to rest two hours before you do anything with it. Sometimes, and I've had them rest up to six hours, or a little over six hours. Um, but I try not to stack too many briskets on top of one another in a cooler. You know, I'll use multiple cooler, coolers, wrapping the to- wrapping them in towels just as an extra buffer. Gotcha. So the towel keeps it warm while keeping excess moisture out. Right. Okay. Interesting. Do you do that with any kind of meat or just the thicker ones? Yep. Like even ribs? Uh, Ribs are different because ribs, I'm timing them to come off the smoker and go right to, you know, the plate almost, right to the cutting board. Gotcha. Um, Because you get maybe a half hour rest on those and then you're fine. Um, just helps redistribute just a little bit of the, the moisture. But um, what happens if you let ribs sit for too long? Like, say, you you've got a cook going and you 
did a brisket and a rack of ribs, and you, they're both done and for the next day. And you wrap them both and put them in the cooler. What's going to happen to the ribs? I don't know. Um, I've never done. I've never let anything rest that long um, because I'm always, I'm always um, timing everything to be okay. When are we eating? You know, and then when does everything need to come off with its associated rest period? Um, but I would assume that if you, if you kept ribs resting really long time or in a really tight climate it'll do the same thing as it does a brisket or pork butt it'll just completely fall off the bone Mm. um actually i have had that yeah um i did ribs for a meeting um with some some buddies and um did some ribs and got into the meeting before i could get to the ribs by the time i got to the ribs it was like I'd have to force the ribs to stay there as I sliced through it because it was, you know, the bones pulling out. At that point, all I did was I just pulled the meat. You know, I yeah. sliced the ones I could slice, and then I pulled the rest of them. Everybody's like, what's that? I'm like, dude, that's pulled rib meat. Come on. Yeah. Of course. Heck yeah. It's barbecue. You put pulled in front of anything, and it works out just yeah. fine. Yeah. So, Jim, I know one thing that probably a lot of people want to know about is what's a good just rub to put on meat like i mean like what is a good solid is it just salt and pepper or do you do anything else to throw in there uh that's like asking what's your what's a really good pair of underwear it's all personal preference um beautiful thing about barbecue is trial and error i've got so many commercial rubs in the pantry that my wife would find at Schnooks over in Ladue and be like, hey, this was on sale, so I got it. Okay, cool. We'll give it a shot. I'll smoke some ribs. And that's where I experiment with um, my rubs is on ribs. My wife makes a great rib rub. Um, my rib rubs usually suck. Um, so I stick with, you know, my kosher salt for the East North Carolina pulled pork. And the Central Texas brisket is just the kosher salt and coarse ground black pepper. But, you know, that's where I say experiment. Have fun with it. Yeah. Try something. You know, I've had, I've always wondered what would a pair set of ribs taste like with, like, taco seasoning on it. As South of the border style ribs. Ooh. Yeah. You, just, you know, start with the taco seasoning in a bowl and then add something else to it. Taste it with your finger and go, all right. You know, rub it on half of the rib, half the rack. You can cut a rack pretty easy. You could, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about fuels. I know you use stick burner, the gravity fed. What makes a good fuel for barbecue? I mean, like, is there any place in particular like you should look to get wood from, or I mean, is it just what you can find? Um. I would say that tried and true is post oak, white oak, hickory. Some people still use mesquite. Whatever wood you use, cherry, apple, pecan, you know, the fruit woods, you just want to make sure that it's seasoned correctly. A lot of times when you buy wood in a store, like I used to buy quarter rounds when I was desperate, uh, a bag of quarter rounds from Menards. And again, I was desperate because... Mm-hmm. I was out. 
And that stuff's kiln dried. It's like something that every ounce of moisture has been, you know, sucked out of it. All it's going to do is just go up, you know, and it's just going to be a flare up and then that's it. You're not going to get much smoke out of it. Um, Then you got some other stuff that you get. It's just so sappy still that it's not giving off a clean smoke. You know, I've reached in with the the, uh, welder's gloves and taken stuff out of... You know, the old stick burner. Yeah. Your dad smoker. <laughs> and been like, nope. You know, and just start all over. Um, I've dumped complete fires before in the middle of smoke because I'm not getting what I should be getting. What should we be looking for in a smoke? Like, as you are doing this, what kind of colors or, like, are you looking Thin for? Thin and blue. Thin and blue. Okay. Um, so your first few hours, thin and blue. You don't want the choo-choo train. Um, you don't want because that's dirty. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of creosote, so it's imp- gonna impart a bitter taste on your meat. Um, so thin blue smoke. You're gonna get the the smoke on there. You know it's it's gonna get the flavor in the meat if you've got it moisturized. <laughs> air quotes here you know you've got the water pan in your smoker you're spritzing on it on a regular basis every 20 to 45 minutes spritz that thing um heavily you know but without taking off the rub um you know woods here in st louis if you're going to look for a retail establishment is st louis barbecue store Mm -hmm. their woods are phenomenal that at once I, you know, once I tried their wood, I haven't gone back yeah. to anything else. And it's not anywhere near me. It's my far. neck of the woods right there. Well, and that's, it's worth, God, that would suck if it was out here by me because I'd be, I'd be out there every minute of the day going, <laughs> hmm, what can I get away with buying? Um, I do that at the liquor store. Nice. <laughs> with kinky vodka. That's, no, that's Kevin's no, choice of drink nope. that he hasn't talked about yet, but no. he just drinks kinky every day. I'm not inviting him back next time. <laughs> I have a question about um, aging, like seasoning, uh, like seasoning specific woods. Um, so like I said, we, we were talking about this earlier. Um, I grew up heating our house with a wood stove, mm-hmm. um, you know, cooking on a, a wood stove uh, at you know, down in our cabin at deer camp and stuff like that. What have you experimented at all with like cutting a chunk of wood off of a, off of a tree that's been fell and like seasoning it and figuring out, Oh, this takes, or are there, are there age statements on uh seasoned wood that you buy from what was St. Louis barbecue store? And that, did, mm-hmm. um, that you're like, Oh, if this has been seasoned for a year or maybe six months or, you know, a lot like there's age statements on. A lot like there's age statements on whiskey. Is there age statements on seasoned wood that you're like, oh, if this is younger than a year, I won't use it to smoke with. No age statements. Um, you know, some of the some of the stuff. The one bag that I have out there of post oak, it was smaller chunks. Um, it kind of hung around a lot longer 
in the firebox uh, than the other stuff. So you could tell, at least I was looking at it in the way of people that overcook or undercook a brisket, they're either going to, you know, if it's overcooked, they're going to slice it really thin. Because if they slice it the right thickness, it's going to fall apart on you. Um, if it's undercooked, then they're going to try and, you know, cut it the other way. This being such small chunks, I figured it wasn't seasoned all the way. So I know, okay, after a couple times, you know, throwing a couple chunks in there, all right, it's going to take a few more chunks to get in there, but it's going to stick around a lot longer. But it's not going to turn to ash as quickly as some of the other, you know, hickories that I have out there. Um, it's just the vendor. It's just there are so many variables with it. Hmm. Um, it'd be great if there was, but um, I think if somebody was actually to test, you know, do a moisture test on wood on every piece, you'd have the cost of wood being, yeah, you know, the cost of some bourbons and right. scotches, <laughs> exactly, and, uh, right, and burning a hundred dollar bag of wood. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> Um, yeah, let's not give anyone ideas. Let's, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> if we have anybody listening to our podcast that is in control of that, I'm going to be just <laughs> ecstatic. So, <laughs> or really upset in like six months when we're seeing hundred dollar bags of wood and everyone's raving over them. Yeah. With all this talk of barbecue, Jim. Yeah. I know that you uh, you have something for us, and I think we'd love to try it if you're uh, you're willing. Yeah, I went to Sugar Fire. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, you bring all their 12 sauces that I love so much? Because I really do love their sauces. Their white sauce. Oh, man. Their coffee sauce is actually one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, but you have something oh. for us. <clears throat> Look at the time. <laughs> oh, is it time for us to leave? Oh, just man. just me. Just Alex, yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. How the tables have turned. <laughs> I just didn't talk. That's all I needed to do. Uh, but... Talk to us a little bit. You uh, you have a brisket that you've reheated, and I think that a lot of our listeners and all that kind of stuff, we always we get these meats left over and all that kind of stuff. So can you talk about the best way to reheat, whether it's a brisket, a pork butt, ribs, whatever you want to go with? Let's just kind of dive into that. All right. I'll start with the easy one, pork butt. So you've, you've pulled a pork butt. And you've got half a pan left over. Um, I will take, um, I'll divvy it up into two or three Ziploc bags, uh, push all the air out of it, and then throw it in the freezer. Um, and then when I'm looking to defrost it, I will put it in, um, you know, a bowl, a Rubbermaid bowl or of water, and put it in the fridge for, you know. It'll probably take a day and a half to defrost it, uh, depending on the size. Um, but then what I do with this pulled pork is I throw it in the skillet, put the taco seasoning on it, put it in the rotel, and boom, we got carnitas. Oh, whoa. You know, wow. I do some fresh corn tortillas, you know, mix up the masa, break out the tortilla press, and... Get the tequila. Little, little uh, pico de gallo. My wife makes a great pico. And there you go. You're done. You got Mexican oh, for a man. night. Um, now, the brisket. <clears throat> so what I have today is the brisket point. Um, I had a full brisket left over from the cook at Chaminade last Saturday night. And 
they didn't know what to do with it. They said if I left it, it'd probably just get thrown away. And what I'm idiots! Like, no, no, don't know what to do with it. <laughs> well, it was know. it was a it was a day it was a uh, March Madness, excuse me, watch party, and nobody was watching it because they were breaking out their uh, uh, what was it Maker's Mark. I guess the Fowler's Club bought a barrel. Okay. Oh, nice. So they, you know, they're all paying their hundred bucks for the donating the hundred bucks for Fowler's Club, and then look, you know, one of the bottles got broken open. So um, they were all enjoying that. Yeah. They had already gone through a brisket and all the pulled pork. Um, so I just, you know, took the brisket home, and uh, I cut up the flat, sliced up the flat, cut it in half, and then ate. Ate it for sandwiches. Um, and at that point, I was taking out three and four slices, putting it on a small plate, um, covering it with a wet towel, paper towel, throwing it in the microwave for 30 seconds. And then um, look at it. And then I put it in for another 30 seconds, knowing that it wasn't going to go a full 30 because I'm listening for that first couple pops. And that's the fat starting to pop. At that point, I cut it, put it on my bun. You know, pickles, mustard, done. Because at that point, once you start getting that fat popping on, you know, the fat cap from the flat of the brisket, then you're going to overcook it. Then you're going to start turning into roast beef and jerky. You're going to kill it. Um, Now, the point that I have here today, um, I had sliced in half. So I had taken both of them, put them in the Ziploc bags, put them in the freezer, Took them out, um, I guess it was Thursday. Um, Put them in a cooler. And this is how I usually defrost, like a pork butt. If I freeze a pork butt and I need to defrost it to cook it for, you know, family and friends, I'll put it in a cooler full of water for a couple days. And I keep checking on it because you want to make sure that it's still cold. You're not allowing this Mm -hmm. meat to warm up and become unsafe. Um but so the the brisket points have uh, you know defrosted in a cooler, and then I put them in the, the fridge earlier this morning, and now they are in an oven. They went in at eleven fifteen, wrapped in aluminum foil individually uh, at two hundred fifty degrees, and I turned it down. I think it was about one fifteen. I turned it down to just warm. I had taken the internal temperatures on both, and they were well over 140. Okay. So we are, you know, beyond the temperature for safe reheating, so nobody's getting sick or sicker than they are. <laughs> um, but uh, which all the cigar smoke is probably great for you, isn't it? Ah, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love these guys. I don't care. I love you, Alex. Slice them up. Slice up some burnt ends. Oh. I'll slice it. I'll slice them all up, and oh. then uh, whatever is left over doesn't get eaten. I've got six buns that um, got to frost it as well. They were frozen. Oh man! So if they're good, eat them. If they're not, <clears throat> I'll throw them in the trash. Don't care. Um, but hey, we got plates and forks and stuff like that. That's awesome. Great. So, so we're gonna take. Go ahead. Sorry. Quick, quick question right before. Um, in in your obviously, I think. We would all probably say it tastes better fresh, like when when you're prepared for it to be eaten. What what would you say? Because yeah, we always you've always got leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe maybe you don't, but um, how would you say that it translates? Like you cook from a, a business perspective, you cook your product to taste a certain way. How do you think that it uh, it adds up to what your goal is once it's once it's reheated? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? What I'm yeah. saying is it is it as close to yeah, live? like how close is it? Yeah. Um, well, you guys will tell me. Um, I was I was really happy with the the uh, brisket flat. Um, I was pleasantly surprised because, you know, first off, disclaimer: I use freezer Ziploc bags for everything because they're thick. So when you put you're not, it's not a regular Ziploc bag. So that and pushing all the air out of uh, the 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 bag or whatever you're freezing is key. Uh, because air is is bad. Any air left in there turns into icicles, freezer burn. Yeah. So that'll kill it. Um, but yeah, you guys tell me if it's uh, like the running joke. I think I mentioned the last time. Is it edible or not? If it's not edible, then there's always pizza. There's always pizza. On that note, let's take a break. Let's enjoy some of this. Uh, okay. Brisket. Great. Sauced on Beer Burn Barbecue is brought to you by The Restillery. Are you in the market for a one-of-a-kind handmade bourbon lamp? Then you need to check out The Restillery. You can get your favorite whiskey bottle transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind piece that your friends are going to be jealous of. Make sure you check out The Restillery at www.therestillery.com and check them out on Instagram at The Restillery. They have awesome products and lots of great contests that you should enter. Make sure you check out again The Restillery. Now, let's get back to getting sauced on Beer Burn Barbecue. Alright, so we're back after... uh, Oh, you're good. (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody what you're enjoying over there? I don't know what it is. (laughs) It is a mason jar that Jim has just given. Guy, you and I, we hit it last time we were here. It's magic. It's magic. It's, it's a jar uh, of white magic. lightning. You said from East Tennessee? Yep. Down on the hollers of East Tennessee, it is corn in a jar. What are your thoughts? I'm feeling the proof now. We don't know what the proof is. We have no idea. <laughs> that is a good mason jar. <laughs> All it says is 40th on the top of it. But it definitely tastes like corn. It's very sweet. It's, it's very good. It's great. So reheated barbecue, I would give it two thumbs way up. Oh, um, definitely. As long as it, I think it has to be done right. And I think the way you told us to do it is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think bring it up slow, you know, foil it. I mean, I would never have thought to do that. You know, normally I just think, oh, throw it in a pan and put it in the oven. But foiling it truly helps, I think. Yeah, because at that point, you're, you're really just trying to retain all the moisture you can because the oven is is just just such an arid environment you know and if you have something that is exposed to the oven it's just gotta turn it into a hockey puck so yeah something you've labored over and 
and uh, are proud of, and then you take it and you reheat it, and all of a sudden you're like, crap, we're, we are ordering pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've never, Every t- we were talking about this in there, every time I've had reheated barbecue, it's like, I just, before I even do anything, I just get the barbecue sauce out, because I just assume I'm going to slather it. the only it. way to salvage it. Yeah, it's, because yeah, I stick it in the microwave, and, you know, I'll, I'll put some water, put some water on it, and put in the microwave and i'm like oh this is still gonna be not very good and i'm just gonna kill it with barbecue sauce because i don't want it to go to waste that tasted better than most uh most brisket i've ordered anywhere else like quote unquote fresh i can't believe that they serve it to me fresh or maybe maybe it's just that bad i don't know i don't have an answer for that i i i think it Restaurants um, here in St. Louis, some of them are just, you know, turn and burn. So they want to get get them on, get them smoked. You know, most everybody's using a old hickory, old hickory or Southern Pride rotisserie. They got them on there. They're in there. They know that it's going to go for twelve to fourteen hours at you know maybe two seventy five, maybe two fifty. Um, they know they're going to take them out. They're going to slice them. They're going to have them in a steam table. Then they'll be they'll be able to sell them just by traffic. I think where you get into like the traditional places and using Aaron Franklin as an example, you know, or me. Let's let's use me as an example. I'm going to open up a barbecue place. I've got an old shack, you know, an old gas station. This is going to be my barbecue place. You know, friends and family are going to know. I'll have a PR. Are we considered friends and family? Yeah. Yes. PR marketing firm that will, you know, obviously get it out to the public, but I'm only going to do so many briskets. You and truly will be a sellout and no more. Sellout and that's it, you know. And it'll be, they will be staged in this, and if I'm doing 10 briskets and I've got a four-hour day, they're going to be staged that half of them are going to come off at one time, the other half are going to come off, you know, halfway through lunch service. So that you, you don't have 10 bristles coming off all at the same time. You know, I shouldn't say coming off. You know, they're done with their rest, their two-hour rest period, so that you can slice them and go. Um, I think what you run into is that people are open from 10 to 8 or 10 to 9, and they went brisket all day long, and they're just mass-producing it. Yeah. So when people compliment me on my brist, you know, brisket or anything else my barbecue in general i'm like it's great but i don't own a restaurant so i don't have to overcome that challenge yeah um maybe on a very minute scale when i'm doing large parties and i'm pulling six eight briskets off and i know hey i i've got this rest time and i know they're going to be served at this time and i'm trying to slice them live because that's what you got to do slice them live you can't pre-slice it and have it all sitting there but you know stuff's going to end up sitting there because not everybody's going to eat all at the same time. You still want what's sitting there to be positioned in a way that it's still good. So. Ask your question, Alex. I told you you couldn't ask right. it. Right. Is the is the corn whiskey over there? Uh... Yeah, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> I think it's putting me down. Um, <clears throat> the question I'm supposed to ask. <clears throat> 
uh-huh. <laughs> that you weren't allowed to ask inside. And I did anyway. So, I, I, like I said before, I was ashamed to say that I didn't know what exactly burnt ends were because I didn't know if there was a certain kind of meat or a certain cut of the meat or what made them that. And you answered me already, but uh, if you wouldn't mind talking about that again. Sure. Uh, burnt ends come from the point end of the brisket. At the point, there are two, two muscles that make up a brisket. Um, one that goes over the other. So the one on the bottom is the leanest section. That's the flat. Um, the one that goes over the top in a crossing pattern is the brisket point, and it's heavily marbled with fat. So traditionally, those are what point towards the firebox. You know, using the stick burner as the visual. Um, that's where you have the that the point has the ability to. Um, it's it's got the greatest uh, room for error. Let's put it that way. So by having all the heat hitting that first, you're getting something that's really developing a really pronounced bark, and it looks burnt. It almost looks like the meteorite at that end, and that's where you're getting those little cubes of, um, you're getting to the edge when you're slicing the point, you're getting to the edge, and by that point, you just roll it over like I did, and you just cube it down. Yeah, they were very good. Thanks. So could you do burnt ends off like pork butt, or does it have to be brisket for traditional burnt ends? Traditional burnt ends is brisket only. What you have uh, nowadays is you have pork belly burnt ends. So people will take a pork belly, they'll smoke it down to a certain point, and then they'll cube it up, and then they'll put it back into a pan um, and then put more you know, uh, brown sugar on it and rub and, and uh, some sauce, and then they put that back into the smoker, and then it comes out this candied you know, pig meat. Um, I've done that before. I've done uh, pork belly burnt ends, and it is just it's candied candy pig hmm. and it just melts in your mouth that sounds, sounds really great good. yeah i took it up to the elks lodge last year and everybody was like oh my god <laughs> so as burnt ends like off a of brisket is that something that would go on a menu or is it just always kind of an after product you always have a little bit just because of the way it cooks it should go on a menu if if it's a <laughs> if it's done right yeah if it's done right and it's a legitimate place it should have they should be on a menu uh it should be a menu item there are so many places that have uh, burnt ends as an afterthought because their their focus is more pork oriented with you know snout and feet and you know other stuff like that. Pork steaks. <laughs> I love pork. Steak. I, I, I yeah. love smoking a pork steak and then doing a reverse sear. Yeah. And then you put it over the fire. The last you know thirty seconds, you put a little barbecue a thin glaze of barbecue sauce on that before you put it over the, the heat mm-hmm. and then it glazes up and you don't even need a fork or i mean a knife you need a fork yeah that's, that's i mean really you good. probably don't need Just a use fork. a spoon right <laughs> <laughs> so jim kind of wrapping up here what is it the thing that you look for like in a barbecue joint so let's just say like our listeners they're like I don't know if I want to go do the barbecue. I mean, they should go do it. I mean, obviously, like you've said many times, you know, it's a learning experience and all that. But what do you look for in, like, a barbecue joint when you go in? Hmm. You know, I haven't been in any 
um, here in St. Louis, and I hate to be a, sound like a snob. Uh, there are places I want to go to. I want to, after talking with with Carrie from uh, Peg Lake Pork or Q in the Lou, when I'm down in Nashville, I want to stop by his place. Um, you look at what they have. I've been to Rendezvous. I've been to, to Corky's. Um, eh, you know, they, but those, it was so many years ago, I wasn't really that into barbecue. I, I look at it like, what do you got on the menu? Is it ribs, pork steaks, pig's feet? No, not my style. That's, Saint, that's old school St. Louis style. Um, I let me flip it this way. I would want people to judge my barbecue joint based off of my menu of brisket, pulled pork, ribs, um, and then some kind of fowl, turkey or chicken. Um, and then that's it. You can buy it by the pound. You can buy sandwiches that we make and simple sandwiches. None of the the massive mounds of looks Dorito like- dust. What's that? The Dorito dust on top and the cheese and yeah, it looks like a you know horse shit on a bun and covered <laughs> in cheese and it's like God, come on! I want to taste the meat, um, which is why you know like you know sandwiches today, pickles and a you know a little bit of spicy brown mustard and just you said it the acidity yeah breaks it's up the perfect the blend yeah. Well. Jim, I, I know we're probably going to hang out a little bit longer after we end this, but I know for the three of us, thank you very much yeah, for having us you. over again. Dude, seriously. Thank you for, you know, preparing and just – this is one of my favorite places to be. So It's the red carpet, man. Yeah. This, it's is, the re- this is the palace. This. Well, then the next time you and I talked about this online, yeah. getting your smoker either over here – or somewhere, and then the two of us having a smoke off. Whoa, that would we'll be magical. That. Yeah, let's think about that, gentlemen. I'm uh, gonna go ahead and call that a challenge. Well, well no, just I, a friendly, fun, like friendly yeah, competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can we can play. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not liking my odds, but uh, hey. I'll, I'll play. <laughs> I'll put my brats against against everything. Okay, that that'll be my competition, and no one else will compete, so I'll win. You just have to pick your own, uh, your own category, right? Yeah, exactly. Pick your own cat. <laughs> that's the, that's the type of competition. That's great. So I'll bring my little tin can smoker. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> we'll just set up all of our smokers out on the uh, your driveway and uh, yeah. have a hell of a party. B- before we end, um, I don't think it should be overlooked. Kevin is currently drinking no nope. scotch. We should end right now. <laughs> He's drinking <laughs> Belvini Doublewood Twelve. Which is like a standard scotch, and I just want to know what you think about it. It's scotch. It's not okay. bad scotch. Okay. It's, it's, okay, like, give us something. What do you think about it? It doesn't have that saltiness, that peatiness, that, that overabundance that some scotches have. Okay. But, uh, it's something you could sit down and yeah, enjoy and just yeah. not worry about. Yeah. 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 I want to hear you say that you like it. And on that note, Jim, how can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> Such a troll. Yeah. Um, let's see. What is it? Creighton underscore barbecue on Instagram. Creighton. I yeah, that's, that's, I think that's it. Yeah. And then CreightonBarbecue.com. 
And I would highly recommend you only follow Jim if you're really hungry because the pictures of the barbecue that you post. Oh, dude. I mean, it's just magic. I will throw this disclaimer out. I take the pictures. I don't have a photographer. I don't have a white box. I don't have, you know, shadow light or hey, a that, light box. And that's all. All right. When your barbecue is as good as what we just ate, you don't need any of that. You let the barbecue do the talking. Like you've said many a times, let the barbecue do the talking. Well, thank you. Um, Guy, how can people find you? Uh, it is danger2rs underscore Guy on Instagram, and then um, don't find me on Facebook. Yeah. Alex? <laughs> I'm uh, on Instagram at the.alex.experiment. And I am Kevin. You can find me at beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue. You can also find us on Facebook at sauced on beer bourbon barbecue. Um, Jim, thank you again for having yeah. us here. Thanks, Thanks for uh, sharing, and uh, we appreciate it. I so, enjoy it. yes. On that note, we hope you stay sauce on beer, bourbon, and barbecue.